the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Found freedom. Now we're going to discover purpose. And today's message is part three, a journey of discovery. A journey. And that's what it is. A journey. Let's turn to Colossians 3. Colossians chapter 3, starting in the first verse. It says... Since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights. Say my eyes. My eyes. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. You could say on the realities of the ways of God, the kingdom of God. Where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things on the earth. For you died to this life, And check this out. You ready? Your real life. Let that sink in for a minute. Is it possible you've been living a life that ain't your real life? Your real life is hidden with Christ in God. That's the reality of heaven. That if you're going to find your real life, It's hidden with Christ in God. Isn't that what Jesus prayed, Father, that they may be one as we are one? That they may know you? Most people never find their purpose. They stop and they give up. Some people don't even seek it. Some people go through their entire life never thinking about purpose, completely flesh-driven, and they never find their life, or they quit somewhere along the journey when it got tough. Let me just tell you on the front end. Walking that narrow path that that God leads us down is not the easy path. If you want the easy way in life, you wouldn't be here today. You'd be out there on the wide path where all the fools are walking that path. But you want to be on the straight and narrow. There's something in you that's drawing you. Even though life can be hard and tough, you don't want to grow weary and well-doing. You want to walk that straight and narrow. You want to do what it takes for your life to make a difference. Am I right? Am I in the right place? Let's turn to Judges chapter 13. We're going to talk about Samson today. Does anybody remember Samson? He's an Old Testament guy. He was one of the deliverers that God sent. You know, the Philistines were always... Messing with God's people, the Israelites. They were his enemies. And, and when you, I like to think of it like this. There's a lot of killing goes on in the Old Testament. For me, it's like, man, that's pretty, that's awful, God. All these people getting killed and wars and stuff all the time. But the Old Testament is our example for us to understand in the New Testament, spiritually more, more so, 
So when I look at the Old Testament and, and how they killed the enemies in the Old Testament, I see those enemies as the devil. And how we fight, we don't fight against flesh and blood these days, but we fight against principalities. We want to, we want to root out the things of the devil. We want to defeat the devil. Okay, so I, that was just for free. That helps me see the Old Testament as an example of the kind of fight that I'm in today. In Judges 13, verse 24, when her son was born, she named him Samson. And the Lord blessed him as he grew up. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him. Has anybody in here been blessed to the Lord? Anybody's spirit being stirred on the inside? Probably everybody. That's why you're here. You understand that God wants to bless you and He wants to keep you stirred up in the Spirit. This is when uh, Samson is a young man. He's full of fire and vinegar and he's ready to, to sow his wild oats, so to speak. But how did he get here? Well, it says it was a miraculous birth, so to speak, because his, his mother was unable to have a child, and the angel of the Lord came down and said she would have a child, but this child was to be, uh, be under a Nazarite vow. Now, first of all, we were all born, and I, I see all conception as miraculous to me. <laughs> Don't you? I mean, if, you, if, you, if you've ever been in the hospital room when your wife was having a baby or if you've ever been the mother, it's pretty miraculous. It changed me when I saw my kids being born. So I think all of us are little miracles in the first place, just like Samson. And Samson was born, and the angel of the Lord told his mother and his dad, Manoah, that your child is, is to be raised from birth as a Nazarite. Now, I had to look up what a Nazarite was. I think it's in Numbers chapter 6. But it's basically saying that his life would be totally dedicated to the service of the Lord. That he was to not drink any alcohol of any kind. He would not get his hair cut. Now, see, that the hair represents his strength, you understand. He's saying, don't be out there drinking. <laughs> and don't don't get messed up and cut your power off. You want to keep keep uh, your connection with your strength and don't touch anything dead. Was the other part of the Nazarite vow? Stay away from the darkness, the the, the dead things, and that goes back to alcohol. You know, alcohol has to die before it ferments. Alcohol is a dead thing. Just in case you didn't know, you should you shouldn't drink it because you have a vow. But if a Nazarite failed his vow, he could do it an offering to the Lord to be restored. During his vow, then he could be back. But Samson was a born deliverer. He was God's instrument to save his people. And as I see, and I read through the life of Samson, I, I see, yeah, he was noteworthy. But like I said, I think we're all miracle births. And I believe we all have a vow to the Lord. And I think we all need to stay away from dead things. And we need to protect the strength of God that is on the inside of us. I believe each one of us can see ourselves in the in this story. Are you any less called than Samson? Because the Bible says God's no respecter of persons. He's not thinking one is better than the other. I believe we're all called. 
We just happened to be reading about Samson's call. 1 Timothy 1.9 said God saved us and called us. Say called us. God saved us. Have you been saved? Well, then you've been called. God saved us and called us to live a holy life. And that word holy scares so many people. But it means set apart for the things of God. So you, my friends, you may walk in here today and say, I don't he ain't talking about me. Yes. You're a little miracle. And God wants to save you. And He has called you to live a holy life. And He wouldn't call called you if you couldn't do it. Now you can't do it apart from Him. But once again, with Him you can do all things. You see, when you made Jesus your Lord, that was your vow. I think making Jesus your Lord is a stronger vow than a Nazarite vow. Am I just preaching to myself? I think this sounds pretty good. I think I'm making strong points here. Am I preaching better than you're listening? Turn to Romans 12.1. I guess you guys just already know all this stuff. If you already know it, then you know, hey, pretend like you're paying attention so that somebody else that needs to hear it will hear it. You guys are just too sophisticated for me today. I mean, Romans 12, 1. It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. See, that's, that's what I'm doing today. I'm pleading with you. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. See, that's, that's our vow to God, to present our lives as a holy sacrifice to God. He gave everything for us, and he, he requires everything from us. He gave his life for us. We're supposed to live our life for him. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. Why? Because you're set apart. You're not like this world. You're called to come out from among them and be ye separate. Be set apart and let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. See, He's already changed your heart if you've made Him Lord of your life, but there's something standing between your heart and your actions. And it's between your ears. And so that's the sanctification thing in a nutshell. That's what you begin a process of learning to change the way you think and to begin to think like God so you can begin to act like God so you can begin to see the results that God would have living through you. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Say God's will for me. Which is good. It's pleasing and it's perfect. It's perfect. It's everything that you desire and didn't know you desired. This is the way to find your life which is hidden with Christ in God that we talked about earlier in that other scripture. This is the way. Just go whole hog. You remember that sermon series, Whole Hog? It still sticks with me today. Now, I was talking with somebody the other day and I was telling them these principles and I said, you know, you're trying. You're right there on the verge of whole hog. You want this. 
And, you, and, you're, and you, there's bursts of you where you come out and you set yourself apart and you try for a little while, then you fall back into your old ways. And some of you know what that's like, a roller coaster ride. You're up and you're down. And see, you're trying. But you say, I can't do it, I can't do it. Right? Exactly my point. You can't do it in your willpower. It's only... Your life is hidden in Christ, in God. You, it must be Him in you. They're, they're, God's not saying, hey, I want to save you and then I want you to try harder. He's saying, I want to be in you. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. I want to be the power through you. So I don't demand that you just try harder. I demand complete and total surrender so that I can make you succeed. Some of you have tried and tried and tried and failed and failed and failed. And then you give in when your flesh wants to do this or that. But if you stay under the shadow of the Almighty, man, where it's just so glorious under the shadow, under His wing. If you stay so close to God, all those things that were so difficult for you before are no problem anymore. I mean, you wouldn't even think about sinning now. Now that you know the presence of God. You have surrendered into His love. You have surrendered into Him as a person, into a relationship. You know God. Now you have begun to find freedom and starting to think, where is my purpose then? See, but Samson didn't want to find his life in God. Samson wanted to say, I want to live my own life. The old teenager's mantra, I got my own life to live. How many has heard a teenager tell you that? But I heard a lot of adults saying that too. I got my own life to live. In Judges 14, if you... If you go on down just a little bit, you might as well stay in Judges. Keep your finger on Judges 13, 14, 15 in that area, 16 maybe. Judges 14, 1, it says, One day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. Say his eye. <laughs> Why do I keep making you say the eye? See, I'm, not, I'm doing that on purpose. Because the eye is the steering wheel of your body. Whichever way your eye goes, your life is going to follow. That's why it's so detrimental, you men folks looking at pornography. And you, and you lady folks looking at whatever y'all look at. <laughs> Probably pornography, pornography too. I don't know what today. But what you're looking at is the direction you're going. And you... <laughs> Samson's eyes, he saw this woman, and she was a Philistine woman. They supposed to, Israelites were supposed to not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. They knew that even back then. But she looked good. I got to have her. Got to have what that eye wants. And his eyes began to pull him away from his vows. And that's happening all over the church today. People are pursuing passions and not pursuing their purpose. Let me say that again. 
They're pursuing their passions and not pursuing their purpose. They say, oh, I've been going to church for so long, it's getting boring to me. I'm going to buy an RV and I'm going to live it up. And they take off. I always pick on an RV, but it's, it's something that, that's get, just stealing your attention away from your purpose. Don't be weary in your purpose. That's your well-doing. Samson begins to sleep with prostitutes. Now, this is a, a Nazarite vow here, okay? He's sleeping with prostitutes. He's got a hot temper like you wouldn't believe. He's killing folks left and right. He's prideful. He's just totally a fleshball. He's not supposed to be touching dead things, but he killed a lion, and he comes back by a couple days later, and there's a, a beehive in the, in the lion. He gets some honey out and starts eating out of the dead thing. He's just trampling everything to do with his vows. But don't point your finger at Samson until you look at your own life and realize you made Jesus Lord of your life. What are you doing? Are you trampling your vows? But see, somehow, Samson is still able to overcome his enemies in battle. And so he's thinking, I'm good. God must be pleased with me because I'm still winning. I'm killing the Philistines left and right. <laughs> Maybe that's where we are in our lives. We're presuming upon the grace of God. We're just thinking... It'll always be here. God will always forgive me. You're caring little for discovering your purpose. You were just pursuing your passion. See, I cared little for God's plan my whole life. I had my own. That's what, I chased whatever looked good to my eyes. I guess I was the only one. I forgot I was preaching in the houses of saints with y'all all got your halo on straight and everything. Tuck your wings in so nobody, because so, somebody behind you can see, you know. <clears throat> but I lived like my youth would never fade. I lived like my strength and my vitality and my hard work ethic, all that would carry, my gifts would carry me apart from the giver of the gifts. I didn't need the giver, I had the gifts. <laughs> After all, Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, right there in the Bible says, for God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. I'm good. I got the gifts. I got the call. You know, if... If I pursue a little passion here and whatever my eyes tell me to go after, that's all right. My gifts will pull me through. My call will still be there when I get back. And it's true. It says it right there in the Bible. I'm not going to say that that's not true. But I will tell you this. They can be cut off like Samson's hair was cut off. God didn't cut it off. Samson cut off his strength. Are you listening to me now? He started messing around with Delilah. Later in the story, you heard about Delilah, right? Another Philistine girl. Bunch of trouble. See, Samson, he, he had no respect for his gifts, and he was just playing games with them. He, he had this woman, 
and named Delilah. And all Delilah, the men in Delilah's town came and said, man, why are you dating that enemy of ours? We got to kill this guy. We'll, we'll give you lots of money if you'll find out the source of his strength. And so she, she sits him down and says, Samson, won't you tell me, you know, what's the source of your strength? How are you able to overcome all the enemies? And he's just playing, you know, oh yeah, if you put bowstrings on me and wrap me up with them, I, I'll be just as weak as any other man. So she tried that out. He busts the bowstrings. He put a new rope on me. That's what it is. That's what it is. He's just, the call of God is just a joke with Samson. He can quote the scriptures, but he makes light of them. <laughs> There's no true belief. He even flirts. The next time she says, come on, Samson, come on, come on. And how many of you know that the devil is just begging you to give him the source of your strength? He's trying to get it from you. He's sending people. He's got some good-looking ladies for you, gentlemen, that's trying to get your eye off your wife and ruin your life forever. Same way with the ladies. He got some good-looking, the devil got a lot of good-looking people. Look at Hollywood. <laughs> no, just kidding. I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> But <laughs> I don't know where that came from. All right. But then he even started playing with the truth and, and, and revealing some information. He said, well, if you put my hair in a loom thing and wind it up, then uh, I'll be as weak as any other man. And the whole time he's letting her do these things. She puts his hair in a loom to see if it's true. And then she says, the Philistines are coming. Well, he yanks his hair out. and looks, Luckily, he didn't pull his hair out, but he yanks his hair out of the thing. And they, they said, well, we better not mess with him. So they just messed with him. But she nagged and she nagged and she was relentless. And how many know the devil can be relentless? See, when the devil is being relentless, you've got to run. You've got to get out of that presence. You've got to speak the word of God. You've got to cut him off. You can't sit there and listen to that nagging and that him trying to deceive you over and over and over and think you're just going to lay up in the devil's lap and let him say all kind of stuff in your ear and I'm still good. I, the, God, the call of God and the gifts are without repentance. I'm good. I'm good. I can stand this. I can, I can be over in the devil's liar and it ain't, ain't going to affect me because I got a vow. Well, he finally went on and told her he couldn't take it no more. If you cut my hair off, and she cut his seven locks of hair off, bald. And the sad part is, is he woke up. He woke up thinking, well, let's read it. Judges 16, 20. Judges 16, 20. She cut his hair off, and then he, she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. And when he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. I think what he didn't realize is that he had left the Lord. He's the one allowed his hair to be cut off. God didn't do it to him. Some, too many people pointing fingers at God. God left me. No, you left God. The Lord, he didn't realize the Lord's strength had left him, so the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. Say his eyes. 
What do you think the devil's after? Your vision. He's after your vision. If you don't keep your eyes on Jesus, you will lose your vision. If you don't keep your eyes on Jesus, the vision that God has for your life and that you really want secretly so bad in your heart, you will lose it. It says they took him to Gaza, or Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains, bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. Well, there's where a lot of our Christians are today. Grinding grain in the prison. Oh, I work down at so-and-so 40 hours a week. They ain't thought about their dreams when they was little for 30 years. They come home, I'm just living for Friday. Well, I can't wait till the weekend. Just grinding grain in the prison of life. No thought whatsoever. They put That's where the devil wants to put you. So you can't make any more difference than an ox. Because that's, that's what ox do. Grind grain. But I love where there's a but in the Bible. Verse 22 says, But before long, his hair began to grow back. The gifts that you allow to be cut off can be restored if you begin to value and protect them again. Why? Because the gifts and calls of God are irrevocable. They're there. If you protect them, they will come back. If you will value them. But now, his hair's growing long, and his, his, his strength's coming back, but he don't even realize it now. He just used to take it for granted, but he don't realize that it's coming back. And the devil's throwing a big old party. All the Philistines are gathered together, and they're saying, we got the enemy. We got him. We got old Samson. They said, yeah, let's bring him out and make fun of him. How many knows the enemy wants to make fun of you? He, he trips you, and then he laughs at you when you're down, and when you try to get back up, he kicks you down again. And he wants to, and they was getting drunk. See, that's what the enemy does, gets drunk. That's not what God's people do. I don't know why I'm saying that today. Wasn't in my notes, but it might be for somebody. But they was getting drunk, and they said, bring him out, and let's make sport of him. Let's make fun of him. Because he's lost his vision. He's lost his power. He's, he's, he's powerless. We got him. We gouged his eyes out. We took his vision. Bring him out, and let's make sport of him. Let's point at him and laugh. And in Judges 16, 28, it says, Samson, they brought him out. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. Has it come to that? <laughs> oh, that's the first time in this story. We're in chapter 16. Samson's story begins in 13. This is the first time I think I, that I remember Samson praying. And that's where most of us do. We don't pray until the last resort. That's the last thing we'd think of to do. After we've done everything in our own strength, made all the mistakes. But then Samson prayed to the Lord. He said, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me just 
one more time. With one blow, let me pay back these Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple, pushing it against them with both hands. And he prayed, let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down in the Philistine rulers and all the people. And so he killed more people when he died than he did during his whole lifetime. And I can just picture Samson sitting there blind as a bat. Just let me, let me feel the pillars. And now he's not seeing with his, with his physical eyes anymore. He's sensing. With, he's seeing He's got a vision in his heart now to destroy the enemies of God. And he finally is able to do God's will. But my question in this whole thing is, what if Samson would have known the character of God before he prayed? See, he didn't know God. He just knew God's power and strength and the gifts and the callings, which we all have. But he didn't know God or else he wouldn't have said just one more time and let me die with him. He would have known God would have given him many more times if he'd have known God's character. And he would have known that he didn't have to die right then. He'd listened to the voice of the enemies too many times. And some of you may be here today thinking, well, that sounds good, and I ruined mine, and there ain't no hope for me. Or maybe just one more time, and that's the way we pray, God, I ain't talked to you in 20 years, but just give me one more victory today. Then let me die. No. That's not how God works. God doesn't go out a loser. God's not coming back for a church. That's losing. God's coming back for a church without spot or without wrinkle. There's going to be a bunch of victorious people. That despite their past, despite their previous mistakes, despite they wasted their youth and their vitality and their strength, they still understand that it wasn't them in the first place and that God can re-strengthen and that hair can grow back, and that purpose can grow back. And those gifts and those callings that were there are still there. It's just a matter of us sensing it and believing in the character of God enough to ask for it. That He is merciful, and He is gracious, and He is kind, and He is on your side. I told those kids yesterday at Youth Villages, God is not mad at you. God loves you and God has a plan for you. I stole that directly from Zachary Bigley. <clears throat> Didn't I? Hey, the word is the word. Every, I hope everything I steal is from the Bible. We all take different paths to discover that narrow road. So there ain't anybody in here that's saying... <laughs> Y'all, them dumb people. <laughs> I doubt there's anybody in here. That, if, they, if there is, that they need prayer more than you do. I bet you every one of you are sitting out there, man, I sure took some wrong turn. I sure, Samson ain't got nothing on me. Some of these new people are probably thinking, 
Well, I done walked in one of those holy churches and everybody's got it all together. No, you ain't. <laughs> when we say we'll reach out with God's love and restore all who have lost their way, that may be any of, any of us at any given time. <laughs> we all take different paths before we understand we must take that narrow road. I think about Joseph, you know, he had that dream when he was young and he went through the pit and through the, the palace and, and through the, the jail cell and all that. But he held true to his and his dreams came true. I think about David. He was anointed as a young boy to be king, but it was not until he had grown up a little bit and became a man before he actually took the throne. I think about the apostle Paul. He started out with zest and zeal. He wanted to serve God. But he didn't know how, and he served against God until God knocked him off his high horse. Then he got it together. You see, everybody in the Bible, there's no perfect people in the Bible but Jesus. There's no perfect people in the world but Jesus. There's a guy named John Mark that, that went on a missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas. And he got scared. You know, he's a new Christian, and he wasn't used to all this persecution. He left them early on. And then the next time they went to do a missionary journey, Barnabas said, let's bring John Mark again. And Paul said, no, I ain't bringing him. He, he's a loser, man. He left us last time. And the contention was so sharp that, that Barnabas and Paul broke ways over this one knucklehead kid. But as you go on through the book of Acts, by the end of the book of Acts, we see that John Mark is now valuable to the apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul realizes that, hey, I should have been merciful. I, just because I got it together don't mean I can't be merciful to somebody else. And just because this kid started off and he, he was zealous, but then he got scared and he backed off. And how many of us hadn't stuck our foot or toe into the church scene and, and started to do good? And then a couple weeks later we back off and we don't see you for six months again? And you're scared to come back thinking they're going to judge me because I left? We're not. We're so happy to see you back. We're just so happy that you're back. Everybody has a story. And guess what? It's called your testimony. And God will use that. Your story is your testimony. And everything that's bad has happened to you, God will turn it around so that you can use it as a testimony to His goodness. Amen? Don't give up on yourself. Some of you say, well, I've been around, I've heard this sermon 33 times. <laughs> and this hit me in the square between the eyes every time. Don't give up. This journey is to our very last breath here on this earth. We got to keep fighting. Just keep getting back up. And all the years, see, that's what something is just so hard for me to think. I went 32 years without serving the Lord. But I look back, and all the years that I served, that I didn't serve Him, He was still preparing me. I didn't know it. I was learning computer skills that I'm using now every day and learning how to do all those things back when I had my, my job before I got saved. I, I learned how to play music. I thought I was going to be a rock and roll star, but God's using it to praise the Lord. I mean, all those things that I thought was wasted time, God's like, I know He's coming around. I'm just going to work behind the scenes. 
and, and the things that you did before you came to Christ, just turn them over. Say, God, here I am. You know my frame. I am what I am by the grace of God. And just now begin to discover your purpose. Just let the past go. Apostle Paul said, it's one thing I do. I forget the things in the past. And I press on towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Man, I'm just going to get up. That's why it says His mercies are new every day. I'm telling you, everything in the Bible is pointing you to the right now is the change in my life that's going to that's going to go forward and forget the past. I learned from the past, but I'm not going to dwell on the past. Even Jesus had to discover Himself in the Word of God. He was the Word of God. But born as a human, it says at 12 years old, He was in the temple. And He was discussing the things with the, the temple leaders and the Pharisees and such. And they marveled at His, at his wisdom and when his mom and dad came to find him and said, where have you been? He said, didn't you know I must be about my father's business? And discovering your purpose is your father's business. Don't give up. No matter where you've been, put it behind you. Today is the day where you discover a little bit more about your real, true purpose. Your real life is hidden with God in Christ Jesus. Or with Christ in God. Either way, it's in Him. Ephesians 1.17, let's turn there. Y'all tired of listening? I'm trying to encourage you. Sometimes I'm hard on you, right? But it's because I love you. Because if you don't know the truth, then you don't even, I mean, if you don't deal with reality in your life, then you don't even feel like, I need to change. And we all need to change. We have to spur one another to acts of good work and kindness and love. We have to continually help one another. Ephesians 1.17 It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the Spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Knowing God. That God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. That's where it all begins. And then he says in verse 18, say the eyes. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. See, that's how you begin to find freedom. Because now light has come in and it's exposing the darkness on you and you're saying, that's not right. I, according to God's Word, I shouldn't be doing that. And so you begin to find freedom. The light begins to conquer the darkness in you. That you may know what is the hope of His calling. That is discovering purpose. Do you see the same progression here in the Word of God that is on our will? That you may discover the, what is the hope of His calling. See, there's hope in your calling. The reason you're grinding grain 
in the prison, it's because you've lost hope. And what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? You have an inheritance to live out. You are the called of God. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.